Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So I've got some great things to talk to you about today. You know, I have to think about a few things that are going on in the market. Have you heard of something that they call shadow flipping, shadow assignment? You know, I keep thinking of a Mission Impossible. This is the next edition, you know, shadow assignment. Anyways, this is one of these things that's happening out in BC, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the next few minutes. But just so you know, have you been worried about your home insurance? Have you been thinking about, are you getting the best deal? Do you have the right amount of insurance? Hey, how about when you own an investment property? Do you need insurance? So I've got a, a industry specialist that's going to be joining me shortly, and we're going to be talking about home insurance, uh, condominium insurance, investment property insurance, everything to do with insurance. So you're going to want to stay tuned a little bit later in the hour and listen from a leading industry expert about your home insurance and what your policies should look like. But hey, let's talk about the market right here in Toronto. You know, when we take a look at the winter market, we take a look, we're almost near the end of February, and yet we haven't had any major snow to speak of, it seems like the market never cooled off. We came right through the holiday season in December. We had one of the best Decembers ever on record, the best year ever in 2015. It rolled over and January, again, we saw increase in pricing. But the one thing we haven't seen yet is a big push on multiple offers. And that's normally when the spring market starts to happen. But here we are. End of February almost, and we're starting to see the market come alive in that field. Now, when I talked a little bit earlier about things such as shadow flipping or shadow assignment, this is something that's becoming very prevalent in the BC area. So British Columbia, as we know, the Vancouver market has been hot, hot, hot for the last few years. In fact, record numbers. You know, prices going up 15, 20%, even 30% in some areas in one year. And now they've decided to put together a new phrase and call something called shadow flipping. And this is when you use an assignment clause. So just for those of you that don't know what an assignment clause is, when you buy a property, and this is normally when you buy from a builder, there is a clause in the offer that states you can sell this offer or the piece of property that you've purchased prior to closing. So you're actually assigning your interest in the property to someone else. Now, there's a lot of catches that can happen here. So just imagine this, and this is why, you know, people are getting kind of, I, I'm going to say there's shorts in a knot in BC, and I don't agree with the panic button being utilized right now for this. And again, everybody wants to, you know, cry foul because people are making money without having to do too much. So let me set the scenario for you. Here you are, you're in Vancouver, you sell a property, you're the seller, buyers come in, multiple buyers, you had it listed for $2 million, 20 buyers come in, you get $2.5 million, somebody's ultimately the winner and they turn around and say, great, we're going to close in 120 days. Now, here's the catch though. Instead of deciding to close in 120 days, they take that piece of paper, they go back to the market, they hire a realtor or the realtor that was listing it at the time and said, hey, 
put it back in the market. Let's see if we can sell this for more. So you know what ends up happening? All those people that wanted to buy it in the first place but lost went, hey, we need more money. So now they turn around and they create another multiple offer on a piece of paper. This is where the assignment kicks in. Because once they get an offer that's acceptable, and let's say they get $2.7 million, so it's gone up another $200,000 from what they paid for it, now they get to turn around and flip that piece of paper to the new buyer. But here's the caveat. This is where people have to be concerned. If you're the first person in place here, the onus is on you to close the deal. So that person that offered $2.7, what if they don't show up? What if they can't close? Then guess what? You better be ready to close for $2.5 because you were the winning bid out of the natural process. So this is the thing about assignments, is that whoever starts the process is always where it can all fall back to. Now, a few years ago in the condominium market here in Toronto, we started seeing a lot of this. And if you've ever tuned into Simply Real Estate here with me, Todd C. Slater, you're going to know one thing for sure. I'm always telling people, if you've got a super long close from a builder, I want you to have an assignment clause in your offer. See, folks, life happens. And when something goes wrong in your life, you can't determine two, three years, four years, five years, what your marital status, what your employment status is going to be. So what happens if you lose your job? What happens if you end up getting a divorce? You know, you split up from your spouse and you can't close on something. Well, the idea of having an assignment clause means that you can sell it prior to closing so you don't, A, lose your deposit, B, you can get out clean of the offer, maybe recover your deposits, and who knows, maybe make a little bit of money on the end. Now, a lot of people thought, hey, this is a great idea. We're going to start flipping homes, and we're going to start making money just with our deposits. So... Years ago, when we were looking at condominiums, when they were more reasonably priced, something in the neighborhood of, you know, two dollars or $300,000, not these crazy five dollars $600,000 for one-bedrooms, but, you know, when they were sitting around two fifty, people would turn around and they'd have to come up with twenty dollars or $30,000 as a down payment. Now, what would happen is they would turn around and they were going to be waiting it out three, four, five years. But by the time it was ready to close, maybe the property was worth, you know, $325,000, $350,000. So maybe they had an increase of fifty dollars to $100,000 on the actual value of the property. But they only put $30,000 down. So that sounds like a great profit, almost, you know, two, three, four times the, the return on your money. So that worked out really well, but we're talking years ago. We were, ta- we're talking back into the market anywhere from 2000 to 2007. Now, here's the thing, though. Most people today, when they look at assignment, the concern for them should be, and again, I'm going to reiterate this, it life happens. So if you are looking at something today in the condominium market and they're saying, hey, it's going to take four years to close, my advice to you is make sure you have an assignment clause for the just-in-case-life-happens scenario. It does, folks, all the time, and you don't want to get caught, burned, and lose your money. So, again, assignments work, but only if you keep your eye on the ball, keeping an idea that the first person that starts the, the, the actual pattern is the one who's responsible in the end 
for the money. So back to Vancouver, we take a look at these people, and now we see a lot of them jumping around. What happens if the per first person that assigns gets stuck with the property? They better be ready. So if you're thinking of this as a business idea, if you're going to try to do this, make sure you have the financing in place to close, because if the other person doesn't, then you're getting hung and you lose your deposit. So this is one of those things that it's a lot better to be safe than sorry. So other than that, you know what? The market, uh, it's been kind of interesting. Like I said, we're starting to see some uh, increase in prices. We're seeing a little bit more sales coming into the marketplace. And with this weather, you know, last week being as the coldest weekend of ever, you know, when we take a look at it and we say, you know, was anybody out, you know, uh, shopping for real estate? The funny thing is, is that when I was driving in last week to the show, I still saw open house signs. Now, I'll give it to the agents, you know, hey, you're pretty brave going out in minus 30 to stick out an open house sign. I don't know how well their open houses did, but you know what? There is activity in the market. You know, this week, you know, as soon as it starts warming up like this, we start seeing more and more, you know, even, listen, zero degrees makes everybody happy, especially in the winter and we're talking February. So again, the market is steady. I think that we're probably going to hit our five or 6% increase this year. And I think it's a real positive thing. Now, hey, one of the things that I was wondering, and of course, I always wonder this, is that how many people are still pursuing properties that are probably in that six or $700,000 range, and they were originally going with 5% down. Because as February 15th, as we told you right here, the rules had changed. So zero to 500,000, you can put 5% down. Now, everything over $500,000 to $999,000, you need an extra 5%, which makes it 10% down for that so let me break down the math for you. Your first 500, 5%, so $25,000 down payment. If you're buying something for $700,000, that next $200,000 is going to require a 10% down payment, which is 20. So if you're buying something for $700,000, you need $45,000 down on the property minimum. These are the rules that got changed. It came into play February 15th, and that is the new rules. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, how many people are going to pursue a little bit more expensive properties when they have to come up with more of a down payment? Look, the idea behind it is, is that you should have more equity in your property. And I agree with this. We should not stretch ourselves. Now, interest rates, you know, they've been sitting on that kind of cusp of 3%. But get ready, folks, we're going to start seeing them come down again. You know, RBC initiated that big, you know, punch up. Hey, let's get over 3%. We need more profit. But the truth is that we're looking at numbers coming into the spring that we're going to probably return to that 2.89, 2.79. Heck, I know some of our brokers that we talk to on a regular basis are offering 2.69 for a five-year fixed mortgage. And, of course, the variable rate mortgages are very attractive they are more connected to the Bank of Canada rate. So what's going to happen there? Well, it was interesting because that knee-jerk reaction out of the U.S. probably was a little premature, and they right now are biting their tongues saying anything about increasing the interest rates over the next little while. Markets have been so unstable, and it's interesting what is happening out there and what people are doing with interest rates. So it's one of those things we're going to continue to watch every single week. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we are going to have a special guest with us. We're going to be talking about insurance, your home insurance. This is a major thing for a lot of people, and I want everybody to tune in. You know what? We're going to have our guest up shortly, 
And it's really important for you to listen to some of the facts that you need to know when you are shopping for home insurance and what kind of coverage do you need. So I'm Todd C. Slater. You've tuned into Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. Stay with me. I'll be right back. And welcome back. So as I promised earlier, we're going to talk about home insurance. Do you have enough? Do you even know what you should have? And what about an investment property? Do you need home insurance on an investment property? Well, you know what? I have a special guest joining me today. It is Don Clipperton. He is president of WN Atkinson Insurance. He is an insurance broker. And Don, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, you know what? It's great to have you on, Don. And, you know, just to uh, just to let uh, people know, you've been in the insurance business for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, I think uh, time flies. It's been uh, 16, 15, 16 years already. And, Don, one of the things I, I have to ask is that, you know, it, it, like, like real estate and mortgages, insurance is always evolving in the home industry, is it not? It is, Todd, and it's something that, uh, especially over the last couple of years with technology, it, is, it is, seems like it's changing almost monthly, let alone le- yearly. So it, it's something that's always changing. Companies are always looking for something different uh, to, to attract clients to them and to, to upgrade their their offerings to clients. So when when we talk about general home insurance, and maybe maybe you can walk us through a bit of a process here, because sure. a lot of our listeners, you know, let's let's say they're currently in a property and now they're going to perhaps you know step it up to a new property. Um, what is the basic principle of insurance? What are people looking to protect themselves? Like what 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 should people know? Because, you know, it's one of those things that unless you're actually involved in it right there at the moment, a lot of people just say, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I have insurance. And they don't even they don't even look at their policies, yeah. let alone have a good idea of them. Well, you know what? And especially people getting into their first property, you'd be shocked at how many phone calls we get and people are sitting at their lawyer's office at closing day yeah. <laughs> and they get the news blast that they need an insurance policy on this thing. So, you know what? It's probably one of their biggest investments they're going to have in a lifetime. Um, so it's a scenario where, yeah, taking some time, uh, hopefully having somebody to deal with that will walk them through that process is always a benefit. Um, you know, it, it, base, it would start with putting together, there's a real estate value or what they're paying for the house, but then insurance companies look at the cost of labor and materials that it would cost in a catastrophic situation to rebuild that house. So, you know, it, it, in, in our job, even though there's not that many total losses anymore for home in, home insurance policies, uh, that's what we have to plan for. So we'll walk you through a scenario, a replacement cost guide. The, there's several out there in the industry, but you know you're going to gather basic information, square footage, types of finishings in the house. You know, are your countertops granite? What kind of floorings do you have? How many bathrooms? These types of things. Um, which will come up with a value for your house, which may not be anywhere near, to be honest with you. If if you're buying a, a house on a ravine lot or by the lake or on a cul-de-sac, you may be paying a bit of a, a premium for uh, for that in real estate eyes. But insurance companies, that house would cost the same if, if they plopped it four streets over in the middle of the subdivision. So that's what we're actually trying to to come up with when we're setting up the policy. Yeah, now that's that, that's a great point. And I think, I think we can clarify a little for our listeners, and, and maybe you can yep. help me out with this. Sure. Is the fact is that when, when you look at uh, an actual home, you're talking basically foundation up. You got it. Where, where most people don't realize it's hard to say you have to insure the land. You got it. So, yep. you know, when people are buying these knockdown properties, for instance, and, you know, let's say they 
they're paying a million dollars, but they've got a complete dump. Yep. And I, you know, I hate to use it that way, but there's a lot, of, yeah. a lot of them out there. They're going to knock it down. But again, if they, when they build up the brand new home, and let's say they say, you know, we, our construction costs are eight hundred thousand, but then they want an insured for one point eight because that's what they have into it. Right. The truth is, your insurance policy is only going to cover the eight hundred thousand. Correct. You, you, you got it. Um, you know what? I always say to my clients, if, if worst case scenario, this place burns down to the ground, you still have the land. Um, and that's where they're going to start again. So, yeah, when we're coming up with a value, it literally is foundation up. And they, they build in a factor as well, Todd, uh, something called uh, debris removal. So if the place is damaged catastrophically, there, there's most people would probably be pretty surprised at how expensive it is to tear the rest of it down and lug it away. And that's, you know, that's the process that starts even before they start building it. You could be 30, 40 grand into, into doing that before they break ground for your new house. Yeah, so, now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, I want to touch on something that actually you brought up, and it was a yep. very good comment. And you said when they're sitting in the lawyer's office, when they're about to close, they don't realize they need insurance. Now, just for clarity, though, it's not necessarily them. It's the mortgage company you that requires it. it, correct? Yep, that's that's where it, that's where it comes from. Usually the, the keys cannot be passed from one to the other until they get proof of insurance. And reason being, you know, a lot of people aren't smacking down the, the full payment for their house so that there is a mortgage involved. And if the place were to be damaged and, and destroyed, that's where the mortgage company is going to get their money back. They're, they're basically listed on the policy so that if a payout's being made and the, the rebuilding's done, they're involved in that process and they make sure that their interest is protected. So. So, so just to kind of then extrapolate a little yep. here with this, Don, um, if somebody owns a home cash, meaning they have no debt on it, is there any laws in place that say you must have home insurance? Technically, no. Okay. Yeah. Now, obviously, we don't want to dissuade anybody no. from from having insurance, but it's one of those things that, you know, you, in a lot of cases, like, for instance, car insurance, yep. you have to. You can't drive yeah. a car without insurance, yeah. but you can own a home without insurance. Yes, exactly. And, it, and you know, what we, we run into this a lot with condos um, because condos have... Usually, the actual structures of a condo are insured by the condo corporation. A lot of people, and sometimes it's too late, don't realize that their contents, their, their assets inside the house, the improvements and betterments inside of it, they're not covered by the condo corporation. Right. And, uh, you know, we have clients that are literally coming in and like, well, we're covered under the condo corporation. And then you get them to do a little bit more digging and, and they're almost shocked to find out that, um, that that's not the case. You know, they, sure, the, the, the unit's going to be rebuilt or the townhouse might be rebuilt, but it's going to be empty. It's going to be empty when they get the keys back for it because none of their stuff was insured in it. Well, exactly. And, yeah. I, and, and you know, we, we, we try to educate everybody here at Simply Real Estate and let people know that when you own a condominium, you actually you own drywall in. And the condominium it actually owns outside of drywall. So as and you, you said, you have to be a little bit careful with that nowadays, Todd. Um, we're running into situations where some condo corporations, in order to cut costs, are reducing what they're covering. So there's a standard unit description with yes. condo corporations, and the, the way you described it is is what we traditionally expect. And uh, but we've we found out that yeah, people are. Uh, getting into condo corps and and usually there's a reason for it their fees are a bunch lower but all of a sudden they find out that like literally it's a bare unit so no like we're talking concrete floors we're talking studs maybe 
sometimes no framing inside is actually covered by the condo corporation. So that's something we really have to look at when we're dealing with units like that, because all of a sudden you're dealing with the whole complete construction costs in a claim situation for the interior, instead of just, like you said, the normal scenario where we got drywall out, you're just looking at, you know, paint and any improvements and betterments to flooring or... Well, um, Don, I'm going to have you hold on right there. Folks, stay with us. I'm going to come right back with Don Clipperton right after this, and we're going to talk more. So stay with us. And welcome back to the show. Do you have questions about your insurance policies? Are you wondering, do you have enough insurance? And heck, do you even need insurance? Well, you know, uh, my guest that has been joining me today is Don Clipperton. He is an insurance broker. Uh, He is president of WN Atkinson Insurance. And uh, Don, just before we went to break, you and I were talking about condominium insurance and some of the requirements now, they're slightly changing. And what we deem that in, in real estate, we were talking, you're saying, you know, sometimes people are a little bit more responsible than just drywall in. And I think part of our conversations was actually leading towards what we call freehold condominiums. And this is where people are a little bit more responsible for things like windows and roofs and things like that. Um, and so their insurance policies have to be, you know, uh, strengthened to a certain point or have more insurance to cover some of these aspects. Yes, definitely. Just to make sure, ensure that the policy has enough coverage. Um, you know, typically what you're buying with the condo policy is a, a coverage for your contents coverage. So anything that's not permanently attached, uh, furniture, appliances, electronics, clothing, any you know, anything of that nature. But it also builds in something called improvements and betterment. So something that wouldn't necessarily have been in that standard unit description or has been upgraded. So if the, the building was initially built with carpet and you've upgraded the hardwood or or ceramics or something, your policy as a condominium owner policy would actually cover you for that net difference between the initial finish and the upgraded finish in the unit. Yeah. So then let's let's take it one step further because, um, you know, here at Simply Real Estate, we talk a lot about, obviously, investment properties. And if you own a condominium that you have a tenant in, what is the responsibility for insurance of the owner and then what is the responsibility of the tenant? Definitely. No, when you're getting into rented condos, and, and please be cautious when you're doing this because the amount of coverages and the policy forms that are available for an insurance company. So as a broker, we deal with many different insurance companies, so we get to see all the different coverages that are offered. And one thing, what typically happens, Todd, is they come up with, with condo policies or tenants' policies, they come up with a contents value of, of what's being insured. So in a rented condo, you'd come up with landlord's contents. You, typically, you're going to own your appliances in a place that you're going to be renting in a condo. The, the thing that people lose sight of when they're doing this is some of the other uh, built-ins to the policy, such as improvements and betterments, um, are typically calculated on a percentage of your contents. So a little bit of a, a concept to grasp, but let's say you have $10,000 worth of contents coverage in a rental then some policies will just give you 100% or, the, or match that value for improvements and betterments. Um, and that, that is a concerning thing for us when you get into, uh, into these types of policies. If you own the condo and you're living there, usually your contents are going to be $40,000 or, or more. So having that much and, and being equaled in an improvements and betterments amount usually gives people a sufficient amount or in most cases gives them a good chunk of money to deal with for improvements and betterments. 
but on a rental, you're in a situation where you're using much lower limits because you don't have as much contents in there as a landlord. So the percentages used for improvements and betterments. And another coverage that's built into condo policies is something called contingent coverage. So this is kind of a worst-case scenario in which the condo corporation doesn't have proper insurance, they've got inadequate insurance, or they've got no insurance. And and all of a sudden, it gets downloaded onto your policy to try to react. Again, on, on an owned condo and you're living there, usually you get two and a half times your contents amount. So let's say you have $100,000 worth of contents, you'd get $250,000 built into your policy wordings for that worst case scenario. Well, geez, if you're using that same rule on a rented condo, you're going to be, and you have 10000 like you're dealing with $25,000 to try to rebuild a townhouse or even a high-rise unit. It's just simply not enough. So you yeah. really have to be cautious on that, and that's where we're having a, a professional or an advocate on your side to look after those things. We'll kind of steer you in the right direction because there are companies that have bad policies for rented condos, and there's some that have really, really good policies for that scenario. Now, of course, then we have to also look at the tenants, because, yeah. you know, one of the things I've always encouraged people, and in all our developments, we always, uh, you know, make it fairly mandatory that people yeah. must have tenant insurance. So this is so they cover themselves, and if they, and, and if they have done something, some damage. Like, Without a doubt, Todd, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I have people coming, and especially, you know, a lot of tenants might be starting off, so they don't have a ton of contents. Now, I disagree with that point in a lot of cases because a lot of policies have something called the replacement cost factor on them. So even though you've got mom's hand-me-down couch and, and chair and and so on, when you start replacing that at today's same kind and quality, it does add up quite quickly. But my bigger concern is the liability aspect, which you, which you kind of mentioned there. And if if you're a tenant and you leave a pot on the stove and, and you cause a fire or you leave the tub running and it overflows or you fall asleep on the couch smoking or something. So, Don, as you as you say that, yeah. just so you know, yeah. um, we've had all three scenarios yeah. in our developments. And fortunately, we, we ha- had enforced the rule that the tenants have the insurance. Yeah. Their insurance company came in and redid absolutely everything in all three units. You got it. And that that's the fail safe. And if you don't then it's a scenario where people can be held personally liable for that. And, you know, the owner of or so the landlord's policy might kick in and pay for the initial damages, but they're going to go after the tenant themselves, which if they have a policy, the policy will protect them. But if they don't, they're going to go after the tenants themselves to recoup the funds that they paid for the negligence involved. Yeah, so, I was just going to say, they, yeah. get, they get hit with negligence. Yep. And, 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 you know, for, for those of you just tuning in, by the way, um, you're listening to Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. And my guest today is Don Clipperton, and he is president of WN Atkinson Insurance. Don is an insurance broker. We're talking about right now insurance, looking at condominiums, and also tenants. Tenancies. And when you have a tenant, you you know, no matter what, folks, one of the things I'm going to always encourage people, make sure that when you are having a tenant apply to rent your property, make sure you tell them you must have a copy of their insurance rider prior to them moving in, because you're also protecting your investment. You know, it's not just you having insurance, you want your tenant to have it and you tell them, listen, if you're going to move into my unit, I want to see your insurance certificate. 
Um, so, Don, when we when we take a look at some of the rules and regulations, are we seeing a lot of changes? Is there anything new that's coming down the pipe that we should be aware of? Yeah, a couple of big things on uh, on the property insurance front, Todd, is typically in the, up until well, last year, overland water damage or freshwater flood was never typically covered under a home insurance policy. Um, companies have responded um, to the to the want, to the need. We're seeing a lot more severe weather patterns coming through. So we have seen these types of situations July 8th of 2013 when you probably remember seeing go trains underwater in Toronto and and, and a bunch of water coming down on the Gardner. Um, so companies have responded. So check with your insurance companies, see if they're launching a product um, out there. We've got a couple of insurers that have come out with, with fairly robust policies for this. So in my eyes, this is a huge, huge scenario because when you're dealing with water damage um, caused by flood, overland water, if, if you don't have it now and there's companies that are out there offering it, it, it could be the difference in hundred thousands of dollars of claim situations and again in response to those water damage issues we've been seeing over the building over the last few years check your policy for limits to sewer backups you know we're seeing more and more people finish their basements professionally i'm sure in in your line of work you've seen some beautiful family rooms and media rooms and games rooms and basements and um, a lot of companies have responded um and put limits on sewer backups. So typically a sewer backup is when water is getting pushed up into the basement. So when people say my basement flooded, right. to be honest, it's not a flood. It's a backup in the sewer lines, and that's where the water's coming from. We've seen a lot of companies uh, come back and put limits of $15,000, um, on these policies. And you know as well as I do, if it, with some of these basements you're seeing done, um, that's not even going to put a dent in replacing the way that uh, they need to be repaired or no, they, completely ripped out. You know, yeah, you're taking exactly. drywall up four feet, you're ripping everything out, you're having to treat for, make sure there's no mold contamination. You know, your furnaces are down there, so there's this huge cost involved with that. So, yep. so I'm going to have you hang on to that thought because no you know what, I, I do want to finish that off when we come back from the, from our break. So, folks, stay with us. We're going to be back with Don Clipperton and we're talking your home insurance. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, we are talking to Don Clipperton, and he is president of W.N. Atkinson Insurance. He is an insurance broker. He's been in the business for many, many, many years. And uh, Don, I've, I've been in real estate now probably coming up to 30 years. And one of the things that I've always wondered when we talk about insurance, and we were just touching on it before, before, um, before the break, we were talking about things such as, you know, flooding in the basement. And, and you know, you were, you were just kind of finishing off your thought that there's so much that has to be done when you have a flood. A lot of concerns such as, let's say, mold, drywall replacement, you know, things that are going to be very important. But yet, when we take a look at insurance companies, you know, are, can you actually increase your insurance or can you have too much insurance in a policy? Well, you know what? I guess the only way that could happen, and and companies have offered options for that. We talked about the hundred thousand dollar basements. Well, there's still basements. My basement's not finished. So, you know what? It's bare concrete floor. The kids shoot pucks down there, and I've got a freezer and a bunch of totes. So, there are options on some insurance companies that you can actually 
um, reduce the amount of coverages. Uh, so my company doesn't have any limits on sewer backup. Well, I'm paying a premium to have that so I can buy down the amount of coverage saying, you know what, I'm comfortable. I only need 20000 for my basement. So let me, get, let me give yep. you an example of a scenario, sure. okay? Because, because, you know, for years and years and years when I practiced real estate, one of the things that I recognized, and, and, and when I was a contractor, it was interesting because an insurance company would tell us to come in and do X number of repairs. But when they had flood damage, they would say, okay, you're allowed to cut the drywall. You know, we only want to pay for 18 inches above grade or, you know, maybe maybe four feet max, that kind of thing. But it was never, you know, rip it all out. It was always a cost-saving measure. And can people turn around and say, look, if if I if I have a hundred thousand dollar basement, I don't want you coming in and only cutting two feet of drywall off. I want you coming in and fixing the entire thing, rip out all the drywall, because again, you know, you get you get these contractors. They come in and they say, no, I've only been approved to to take up, you know, two feet of drywall. Sure. Yeah, it's a scenario, Todd, where most policies read in the fact that they want to repair and replace and put you back into the same situation you were prior to the loss. And if that requires a complete rip out, you know, we get um, dishwasher pipes breaking or the, the ice cube filler pipes in the back of fridges breaking. And when those go, then usually the basements are completely destroyed, if not damaged severely, and, and you're dealing with full ripouts. Um, when it's water, when you're talking sewer backup scenarios, they usually do try to limit the amount of removal they have to do there. Um, so y- you're kind of caught in the in the wordings of a policy and saying, no, I want everything ripped out. If they right. can turn around and, and finish the basement the same way it was by just taking those 18 inches or four feet up and and provide you the confidence that there is no further concern about mold or water or anything in there, then they've met their obligation. Right. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, again, I, I, and, and I'm sure you get that question all the yeah. time from your clients where they say, hey, listen, Don, we had a flood, but the insurance company came in and they only, you know, they only did this, but we thought they should have done this. Yeah, it, it's a tough scenario. I'll give you a couple of examples where we see it quite a bit where, you know, we'll use that basement scenario again and, and carpet's been damaged and they have to rip out a bunch of carpet. Well, if they can find it, but the whole basement isn't damaged, if they can find a logical seam in the carpet, they may not be able to match the carpet identically. A lot of companies will try to find a break, you know, a room break or uh, a natural seam in the, in the space to actually replace only what they need to. Now, if it's a full rolling basement, we have seen companies concede and, and do the whole replacement. Right. The other side is roofs. Um, you know, you see... one side of a roof completely damaged by wind or hail or something of that nature, and the other side's completely untouched just because of where the prevailing winds were coming from. I'm sure clients would like their whole roof replaced. Realistically, companies can replace the one side of the roof and uh, get as close to matching shingles and and make sure that there is no concern with, with further damage coming in from the water with the because of the repair, and um, and go about it that way versus ripping the whole roof off. Okay, so just uh, you know, I've got one more quick question for you sure. that we can talk about um, vacation properties. Yep. So if we're talking, you know, a lot of people obviously here in Toronto, you know, they own uh, Muskoka style properties, let's say cottages, things like that, chalets, yep. Yep. and so 
is there is there a different insurance policy for that because you know they're only there you know I, I i know i've, I've got i've got a cottage up in the muskokas and one yep. of the things that no matter what somebody also always has to go in within every two weeks kind of thing yep because then there's a vacancy issue and then you know if something really did happen you know a pipe burst you yep. leave it for a month you know definitely gonna have to redo the entire it. thing so yeah, so what what are the rules there so you've got different levels of properties right you still got the the in the woods cabins um, that you know, open up on May two four and are done on Thanksgiving. Right, um, so two seasons. Two seasons. Yeah, exactly. They're just mainly for that spring summer season. In those scenarios, then you're going to be on one type of policy, and you're shutting down your draining pipes, and the the requirements for visiting are are very limited. Um, in some cases, there are no requirements of being up there. When you get into properties that are four seasons, um, and you're leaving water on, you're um, you're fully functional throughout the year. Uh, you get into bigger, they're almost like secondary homes, and that's how some companies will treat them. The, the coverages will become broader, so you'll actually be able to buy up better coverages there, but then the occupancy or the visitation requirements change. So, as you mentioned, a lot of very frequent for a seasonal homeowner's policy would be every 60 days, for instance, um, having it checked on and being up there. Um, but you do have to be cautious. You know, you are the homeowner, and, and going through a claim, even if it is covered, is not any fun whatsoever if pipes are bursting or um, you're, you're going through a, a catastrophic loss up there. It's, it's not a fun scenario to, to weed your way through. So take precautionary things, you know, shutting off water, um, draining pipes, having a neighbor go in, you know, daily or, or as frequently as possible, keeping an eye on the heat, um, sure. those types of things on the seasonal properties. Okay. Listen, Don, I really have appreciated you coming on today. Can you give us some contacts so our listeners, if they want to reach out to, to you? Yeah, if you have any questions, by all means, you can fire them off directly to me. My email address is don at wnatkinson.com. That's D-O-N at wnatkinson.com. Or feel free to visit our website at wnatkinson.com. Or give us a call. That's uh, 905. 905- Five eight two six two two five seven, and one of our staff or myself would be happy to entertain any of your questions. Excellent. Well, Don, listen, I really appreciate you coming on Simply Real Estate with us today, and we appreciate all your advice. That was so. great talking to you. Anytime, uh, Todd. All right. Thanks so much, Have Don. A great day. Okay. So, folks, that was Don Clipperton, and he is president of WN Atkinson Insurance Brokerage. He is an insurance broker. And listen, some great, great advice. And one of the things that, you know, I always like to focus on is people taking care of the things that they don't want to. And, you know, insurance is one of those, I, you know, and, and now that Don's not on the air with us anymore, I can say it. Insurance can be annoying, and nobody likes to pay it because we feel like we're throwing money away. But let me tell you this. When a situation comes up, I'm going to tell you that if you have a flood, you're going to be really, really happy if you have the right insurance policy in place. If you have a situation in one of your investment properties, and let's say you've got a tenant that left a pipe running, uh, you know, flooded a place, damaged it, you want them to make sure they have their insurance policy. And of course, you want your insurance policy to pick up any of the slack because you do not want to be out of pocket. And of course, if you do have a vacation property and something happens, You know, let's say it gets broken into or you blow a pipe or whatever happens. You know what? Insurance is there for a reason. Now, 
of course, you've got to make sure you select the right people. People like Don Clipperton, again, professionals that have been in the industry for a very long time, you know, reputable, and, and you want to be able to pick a professional, somebody that's going to make sure they're watching out for your interest. Now, remember, when you talk about broker, it's not just the insurance company. What they'll do is they'll source the best fit for you, and this is very, very important, and especially when you're looking at pricing, because, again, getting the right insurance policy is worth every single dime not getting enough insurance, you're going to kick yourself later. And I can I can attest to that because, again, with us here at Simply Real Estate, we work with a lot of investment properties, and we know that insurance is a very, very important factor. Hey, and sp speaking of investment, guess what? We do have our next Simple Seminar. It is coming up Wednesday, March 30th. We've, we've got it booked Everybody is welcome. It's free. It's going to be held at 7 p.m. if you want to go. And we've been told it's probably one of the most informative real estate uh, seminars out there. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can register today. And it's coming up on March the 30th. And again, it's 7 p.m. Uh, Mississauga Convention Center. Uh, we haven't run one this year. Uh, it's been, you know, one heck of a busy year so far. But we are starting our seminars. We've had thousands of people attend. They love it. The most important thing, leave your credit card at home. You don't need it. There's nothing to buy there. Our seminar is strictly based on educating people about investment real estate. And, you know, when we look at investment real estate, one of the most incredible things out there, we've been watching the stock market go up and down, uh, especially lately. I, I, I'm sorry, but for those of you, most most people are getting sick to their stomach because of the roller coaster ride. And, you know, I had a testimonial come out of one of our investors the other day, and he said, look, he said, you know, it's, it's the greatest thing I've ever done. I get paid my rent no matter what every single month. I've never met my tenant. It's awesome. He said, but the most important thing is, he said, it's not like the stock market where I can't sleep at night wondering what's going to happen the next morning. And for us, folks, this is one of the biggest things that we focus on. Consistency, making it simple, and there's no reason why this year people can't own more investment real estate. You know, one of the things I always say is everybody has to live somewhere. When they do live there, who's going to be the owner? So if you want to be an investor, now is your time. And the Simple Seminar, again, coming up March the 30th and uh, 7 p.m. Mississauga Convention Center. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register today. Uh, it's always a great uh, evening. It's normally about an hour and a half. And leave your credit card at home. So... Listen, I want to thank my guest, Don Clipperton, for joining me. Uh, you know, again, great information. You know, we keep trying to stay on top of the market. Again, we're looking at a solid spring. I think interest rates are going to budge uh, down a little. Uh, let's keep our eye on the Bank of Canada. And uh, listen, thanks for listening this week. For all of us here at Simply Real Estate, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and I'll be back next Saturday at 4 p.m. So we'll talk to you then.